Are the events of the universe predetermined? Are humans guided by fate, or do we have free will? Does randomness truly exist? Find out on this episode of the Transcendental Club. back to the Transcendental Club podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Nolan. I'm Ben. And today we're going to be talking about fate. So I guess we'll just start off with a big question as basically uh, to what extent does fate guide the universe? So, Or in other words, how much of the events in the universe are predetermined and how many are completely random? Yeah, so I sort of always kind of fall into like quantum mechanics on this one in that when you look at uh, science historically it's always been that within like classical mechanics um everything in the universe is deterministic essentially but i think now with what we've come to realize is basically that certain things appear to be completely random like for example the spin of an electron appears to be like 50 percent up and 50 percent down without any variation from that so i think as far as it goes right now i think the universe is fundamentally random in some way so i don't think that fate is necessarily an overarching guiding principle because I think that there is enough randomness within the universe to say that not everything can be predetermined based on like what you know about the universe and that there is a random element that comes into play. Yeah, I would I would argue kind of at least from my perspective, there's kind of an infinite um, directions that a future can take and a specific choice or set of choices can take, like based on how you know those choices are played out or whatever so in a sense i feel like it's predetermined in that one future will be the one that occurs but i think the freedom between which one it becomes i feel like that makes it less predetermined and more kind of just free will that's a really interesting idea that i hadn't thought of thinking of it as like the numerous possibilities the set is predetermined so that's- yeah that's that's pretty cool, but I guess that I don't know. It for me, I go back and forth. Like some days, I think I do believe in fate, and I'm like, oh, okay, some of this stuff just. It's usually on my bad days. I'm usually I'm usually just like, you know, this is all bad stuff happening to me. And the world's out to get me. But logically speaking, I think I'm gonna have to just side with the idea that entropy is like the basically the one of the guiding forces of the universe in a way and so i guess i'm going to just say that i think most of the things that happen are random i guess you look at the chaos chaos theory i believe yeah i think it's a theory (laughs) the one from (laughs) the one from jurassic park that jeff goldblum does with the water drop i guess that's just the way i would go with it i mean it could have gone in any pathway down his hand and it went down that single one and it just seemed completely random so i don't know <laughs> I, I guess i would go with it being random do you think that there's any like specific events or occurrences that are guaranteed like obviously we in the third dimension we live in a linear time or i guess somewhat linear time from what we so, understand <laughs> yeah and obviously like relativity kind of messes that up a bit but from a right. from an outsider perspective, um, time is pretty linear. For example, like 
because we have linear time, the first kind of, you know, the Big Bang is kind of seen as a guarantee in that sense that it occurred and then led to all the entropy that followed. So I guess from a nonlinear perspective, that was an event that was potentially guaranteed. I don't know what you guys think of that. One thing that's always interesting to me is, and I guess this is sort of a question um, more to respond to your question. This is a little <laughs> bit off topic, but um, so essentially, if you imagine a universe in which there's no fluctuation of energy and there's no particle motions, like imagine a completely frozen universe and everything stands still, essentially you can't measure time then because our entire concept of time is based on the principle of something occurring. Like time is the rate of change over a given interval, right? So like if you if you don't have any event by which to measure time, like for example, right now we say like the second hand ticking on a clock or we measure by like how many times the earth goes around the sun. But if none of that is happening, then time doesn't exist. And obviously we don't exist either. So that's not really like uh, pl- applicable. Um, but yeah, we wouldn't have to worry always, about it. <laughs> yeah, but that's always been something interesting to me that sort of like goes against our intuition is that we always think of time as being so constant and reality it's time is in itself an emergent property of sorts and that it emerges from the fact that there are things occurring in our universe but if there was nothing occurring in our universe it'd be essentially impossible to measure time and its existence would be nullified i i want to circle back to the question that ben posed and i thought that was like really interesting thinking about that because if you think in history, not even in terms of science, but in terms of history, looking back, there's been a number of revolutions in history that have been caused by the same type of things, and like uh, just other events and like wars and everything. And in a way, if you look at the causes, they're all fairly similar, especially for certain revolutions. And I don't know if it's fair to call those causes as being predetermined but i guess in a way that kind of is an interesting idea like a way to respond to what ben said like just thinking about certain events and how they're all related and like they've happened in different eras of history and they've all been very similar so i don't know that's my thoughts on that question yeah i think the the difficulty with certainty is that you have to prove to an absolute and from like obviously from a more general perspective i think you can make the argument that a lot of civil and you know world wars were pretty imminent no matter what but obviously from a purely um guaranteed perspective there could have always been like i don't know a meteor that struck the earth right before or some i don't know alien life that (laughs) destroyed humankind in i don't know 1775 or something like that independence day (laughs) essentially yeah so uh, so i guess i guess from that perspective it's hard to label any event as guaranteed yeah i feel like people don't really give randomness a fair chance because they sort of i think a lot of times fate gets misconstrued as as or it sort of overlaps with the fact that there is only one course that the future is going to take and i don't think that necessarily denotes fate because fate refers to whether or not we can change that. Like if you think fate determines everything in the universe, then it would be that everything that's going to occur in the future is completely out of our control at this point. Like we can do nothing to change what's going to happen in a hundred years. But if you don't believe in fate, then I guess you, your philosophy is basically that you have some control over that. 
outcome. And I think a lot of that goes into a concept I've always found interesting, which is the Laplace's demon. Um, if you've heard of it, I think I brought it up before, but it's basically like if you think about a classical universe where everything is deterministic, if you had like a super intelligent being that knew the motion of every particle or um, every particle in the universe and its momentum and velocity and position and everything, you could predict everything that is going to happen in the future and everything that has happened in the past. But obviously, like I was saying before, when you look at things on the quantum scale, it does appear as if there's some randomness. So it would appear that even Laplace's demon can't predict everything that's going to occur in the universe because there is a 50-50 chance for something to happen and we can't predict it one way or the other. And I think that sort of gets into the discussion of whether or not it really matters if there's fate or not. And because you sort of see the fact that it's we can theorize about something like Laplace's demon, except none of us are that demon. So it's sort of like the the illusion of free will may be all that we need, if that makes sense. Like, yes, maybe the universe is entirely determined, but as long as it feels like we have free will, um, then it sort of is quasi-free will, if that makes any sense. Like you it doesn't really matter if the universe is determined because we still feel as though we have some control over what occurs. Yeah, that's that was really interesting and i kind of got into a trance listening to that that was <laughs> you mesmerized me my bad <laughs> yeah no, no no it was good it was a good trance but that that was in my trance i was thinking about stuff that you said during the I, it was the religion episode or no afterlife not religion afterlife <laughs> so we didn't get that episode. controversial did we <laughs> no i hope not the <laughs> afterlife episode you were talking about how like humans use talking about the afterlife as like a way to like comfort themselves and make death less less of a a fear and i guess that just made me think of fate being having like a similar like reason for being created by humans whenever humans did come up with the idea of fate uh, it's like like in what you were saying it gives people the ability to think we have free will against what the universe is trying to make us do and although in a way having fate and i don't know if it's true but back when predetermination was a huge part of society it makes me wonder if like those people actually found comfort in thinking that their lives had already been predetermined so then they could essentially just do whatever they want and no matter what they did they would end up having the same end the same outcome yeah i know i'm kind of circling back a ways uh but i feel like <laughs> i could i feel like i'd almost argue that our fate is predetermined just in the sense that it's a guarantee that we have a specific outcome of the you know infinite possibilities so i feel like in that in that sense we have we it is predetermined that an outcome exists but i think the kind of the i don't know it's kind of hard to it's weird to argue that because it kind of argues both sides but the idea that the actual path that gets chosen i think obviously from our current perspective in a you know constant time uh, location, like a location where time moves as a constant and is a defined variable, I think that we have choice over our actions. Because obviously, if time isn't a constant, you can look at the future and you could 
probably see what your every decision potentially is made. Although, like I guess we just talked about, there's some randomness that we see in electrons or just in general in physics. All right, I have like a really strange question. It's like that that what Ben was talking about made me think of it. One hundred dog-sized chickens. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's the question I was going for. <laughs> that was the answer to um, your question. It's predetermined that that's the answer, by the way. Um, oh, yeah. I just wanted to preface, uh, I don't live in a linear time uh, <laughs> world. All right. So my actual question was, I don't know if it's really a question as much as like it's actually a statement, but so death is fate for every single living thing, but is birth also something that's predetermined or is that like a completely random thing because if you look at the statistics for like you being born it's like some absurd number that i can't even remember off the top of my head it's uh chances for you being born let's see here we go about one in 400 trillion so i mean like that that seems like completely random yeah but i feel like I feel like it's kind of hard. I feel like it's kind of skewed to argue that you're super lucky because you were chosen. Because if you weren't chosen, you wouldn't have known that you weren't chosen. So it's kind of like given that you were chosen in that case. You know what I mean? I can tell we're going to get a little crazy here. So I was going to bring up something that's called quantum immortality. And (laughs) let me preface it with that it's not necessarily true. It's probably not true. So don't like try it. Um, so it's basically, if you think of like Schrodinger's cat, it's essentially the same thing, except you're in the box. And it's um when, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to do this. I guess I will. Um, so it's essentially, <laughs> you have to imagine that um, the world, when something quantum occurs, splits into two copies. So like an electron can be in a superposition, so it can be either spin up or spin down. So you have to assume that when you look at that, there's a version of the universe where the electron is spin up and one where it's spin down. You're with me, right? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, so this would essentially be that, say you you have your one consciousness at the moment and you're in the box. So say the electron is spin up, it kills you instantly. And if it's spin down, you live. Now the argument is essentially that you could only perceive the universe where you live and not the one where you die. And as such, even though it's a 50-50 chance between you living and you dying, it appears as if you are immortal, basically, and that you survive every time because you can't perceive the one where you die. You got that? Yeah. Okay, yeah, but that. the issue with that is that you there's once that split occurs, and say like like a gun is the mechanism, it's either fired or it hasn't, but at that point, there's already two versions of the universe. So there's one where you are being, you are about to be killed, and there's one where you're not about to be killed. And you can't be in the one where you're dead, but you can be in the one where you're about to be dead, if that makes sense. And so I was sort of just going to tie that into, I think people like to use like patterns to sort of justify the existence of fate. And that's not necessarily true. Like you were originally asking, Nick, does like death is fate for all of us, but is birth necessarily fate? But I don't think death is necessarily fate for all of us. I think it's just that the way entropy is set up is that like 99.99999% of the time you're going to die. Like if you think if you assume there's randomness in the equation, you technically could live forever. It would just be, you'd need a lot of events to help you. If that makes sense. Like all, like 
all of your cells would have to not deteriorate as much and they would have to regenerate in a better way. Like it's not necessarily guaranteed that everyone's going to die, if that makes sense. It's just highly, highly probable that it's going to happen. So I don't think that, I think what I'm trying to say is just because a pattern exists doesn't mean that that's fate. It can just be something like entropy, which is still has randomness involved in it. And it's not necessarily true that just because something happens a lot, it's guaranteed that it's always going to happen. Yeah, I went I down to, a while there. I had to give you props for that. That was that was really good. I didn't know if I was going to I brought it back to you. I, I entirely understand that. <laughs> okay, fair, you fair. Just, you just made Ben a quantum physicist in one minute. Yes. So <laughs> I will mention one other thing. Like you were saying, you were saying, is it fate that you were born? And I don't necessarily think that's true because especially when you get towards smaller phenomenon like like fertilizing an egg, I don't think that, I think it's, worth mentioning that quantum phenomena may be more applicable in there. And it might be possible that fate is something that we view as being true because the things we see in our everyday life are deterministic, like gravity causes a ball to roll down a hill and you can predict that. But I think when, like I was saying, when you get smaller, there's more randomness. So it's possible that macroscopic phenomena, like the one we ones we observe every day, aren't based on randomness, but that the further down you go, there is a fundamental quantum randomness that is driving the universe and that fate doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily real. It just appears as that to us because we can predict things that we see in our everyday life. And that's hard to follow. I mean, yeah, yeah, not to follow. No, I mean, it's like, it's just hard to go after you. And that was, <laughs> I mean, yeah. do you get what I'm saying though, right? Like if you, no, yeah, no, I, I like, follow I swear, you and that, definition of like there, there appears to be a <laughs> fundamental randomness to the universe and it's possible that the things we view as deterministic are an emergent property of that randomness i need to go back over my quantum physics class <laughs> so i guess you if you want to get into like free will a little bit more we can um, yeah we can go into that i was just going to like try to bring in time travel because we did that in the last episode but you know that i think quantum physics just I think that covered enough. <laughs> so, Nolan, do you want to take something about free will? Yeah, so, okay, I'll keep going. I feel like I've talked too much, but I'll keep going. No, no, so, it's okay. I don't have I anything also, to add. I was also just Nolan's using... Like, me, 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 and I'm like, uh-huh. I was also <laughs> just using um, emergence for free will as well, and essentially saying that we kind of treat consciousness and free will as two very different things. Like, we all accept that consciousness exists, but we all agree that we don't know what it is. And I think we usually just chalk it up to be an emergent physical phenomenon rather than something divine. But then we usually, when we talk about free will, we say like, oh, you have to invoke some divinity in humans to um, justify free will. And I think it's sort of just like one, one more rung down the ladder from consciousness, if that makes sense. Like we always assume that consciousness is something we can quantify um like as a physical phenomenon just because it's easier for us to understand and we don't assume that consciousness is divine in some way but then free will i think could be the same thing it's just that we don't understand it enough yet and we think that we have to invoke some divine power in order to justify its existence so i also have a question to add to this so do you think that when we believe in fate or when we believe in free will that it's like a human centric perspective to believe in either one of them that 
people like usually justify one's existence as like based on their own ego. I feel like, I mean, at this point, we're the only species that I think would even consider the question. <laughs> True. So I'm not sure if it's a human centric or a conscious. Well, uh, that that we know <laughs> we're the only ones that that okay. consider it. So, um, I feel like it's not necessarily human centric as it is just conscious because for all we know, any other species would think the exact same, but I think it's, I think it could, it could somewhat line up with the afterlife episode we did in the sense that I think it, it certainly doesn't demotivate people to think that they have control over their lives. Yeah. And I mean, going back to what I said earlier and the afterlife episode, like I said, it's, it's definitely like a sense of, I guess, I don't know if comfort's the right word, but it's definitely like you were saying, Ben, it's, it's having the idea of free will and defying fate is definitely a motivation to do things because, but then also, so is fate, because if you think of it, fate also means that like, oh, people will realize that death is fate for everyone and for themselves. So then they'll try to fit as much in in their lives as, as they can to make it the most meaningful life they can. But with free will, they also can think, I'm able to do anything I want in my life. Well, anything is, whatever. Um, they're able to do anything they want in their lives. And so that's also like a different type of motivator. So I guess that kind of also depends on the person because like some people could be like, oh, I'm going to die. And they're kind of like one of those depressants like depressed kind of motivated people and then there's the people who think of free will and they're more of like the i guess i don't think happy-go-lucky is the right word for them but you you get my general direction that i'm yeah, going here free spirit <laughs> yeah i get free what you're saying though like people yeah. sort of use like either one to justify like a certain way of living which i think is kind of like a fundamentally human characteristic and i think this all kind of defaults back to the fact that like as humans as a whole aren't really very good like analytical philosophers like we all have a lot of biases and like beliefs about like what would be true and what would not be true so that's kind of what i was getting out with this question is sort of like i think people use fate as like you said nick a way to justify like living their life in a certain way and say like oh well like whatever's going to happen to me is going to happen to me so there's no sense getting worried about it like if i can't control my own destiny then why am i going to allow myself to be stressed out about little things but I think, like you said, people also kind of use free will in that same context that they say like, oh, well, like I I can make my own future sort of like I can do what I want with my life and I can like move things in the direction I want them to. So I, I would agree with you that it is sort of an, as a whole, like a human centric perspective. We say like, oh, well, like this way is more convenient for me and it helps me live my life in a certain way. So I'm going to like live it that way basically and use that interpretation regardless of whether or not there's any actual empirical justification for it sorry that's not the right word um i think it's epistemic i don't know i can never i mix those up i'm not a philosopher so <laughs> it's okay they have like their own language i know there's epistemic there's empirical there's ontological i think it's ontological i don't really know I, i'll let it go that's like more words than i actually know fair fair
would like to show the Transcendental Club podcast some support, consider following us on social media. We are at Podcast Transcend on Twitter and at Transcendental Club on Instagram. Feel free to tweet at us or leave comments about your own thoughts, as well as suggestions for future discussion topics. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on whatever platform you are listening to, and head over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review. Thank you so much for tuning into the Transcendental Club. point i guess i was going to make was that i feel like it's really difficult from a linear time perspective to really determine whether we have determination or not because like from our perspective you know you could almost you could argue that if you make a change in your choices or your life that alters your future but i feel like from a non non-linear uh, time perspective that choice has already been made because Obviously, you can see the fe- that choice being made in the future, and I feel like, from that perspective, I think there is some sense of prede- uh, predetermination, because if you can obviously go into the future, I don't think changes. I don't think we have as much free will as we think we do. Like, I don't think anything that I don't think we're like meta enough. I guess is the right word to like. If we make a change, I don't think that's a genuine change. I think we were already going to make that change in a way. If you know what I mean, I know. It's a really weird to, to say, but I don't know. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's basically like there is, at the end of the day, only one path that the future is going to take, and mm-hmm. technically, it is guaranteed that it's going to take that path. But the question is just whether or not, in the moment, you have control over that. And I get what you're saying, and I think it's kind of hard to say that because we think like, well, one series of events is going to happen, but it's really to me more about like whether or not that was determined at the beginning of the universe or whether or not like we have control over the possible outcome, if that makes sense. Like obviously only yeah. one sequence of events is going to occur, but it's really about whether or not we can decide what sequence of events it is, or if that's been like determined since our birth rather. Yeah. All right. So that actually kind of works well with what I was going to bring up. And I was looking at a study that was discussed in scientific American in 2015 and it says that 60% of people that they surveyed believe in free will. And one of the interesting explanations someone gave to me, uh, or gave to Science and American, I wasn't the one who received it, <laughs> said that our thoughts and actions are determined by our brain's neural activity, variances in brain structure, our biochemistry, hormone levels, vitamin levels, our life experiences and events, even our evolutionary past which is interesting if you think about it. Like, so they're basically saying that our genes are what make up our thoughts and actions. Like, they're already predetermined the way that we think. And so, like, that's kind of saying that, I don't know, it's just, like, really interesting that... That our that 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 um, future is, like, predetermined, you mean? Yeah, like, just... Or, yeah, by basically saying that. Yeah. I think it's... I think it's, like, a... Even our notion of randomness, I think, is, a, like probably not correct like i know nolan you were mentioning like the randomness of electrons i think 
mm-hmm. like electron spin, I think you're mentioning. Yeah. Like even if that's technically random, that doesn't necessarily prove that it wasn't predetermined, if that makes sense. Like just because something is random to us, all that means is that we can't predict it from the f- current perspective. Like like I guess you could argue a lot of events are technically random, like a coin toss, but obviously uh, a coin toss from a nonlinear time perspective is not random because obviously it has an outcome, at least from my perspective it would. Yeah, that's kind of like, you, go, you could, sort of what you're talking about is like you could trace it, technically you could trace it all the way back to the Big Bang and say like the spin of an individual electron was determined by its formation uh, between, I don't remember all the cosmology stuff, but like, Sure. When, like when when electrons and whatnot were formed, like that determined whether the electron you're currently measuring would be spin up or spin down. And I think that sort of gets back into like what I was saying before with like Laplace's demon and stuff. I don't want to. I want to keep going with that path, kind of. But I just want to say something about your thing, Nick, which is like, I think that is a really good point. But to me, it sort of delves more into like predictability. Like I don't think you're saying that the future is guaranteed to be a certain outcome. I think that's more saying like it's based on these factors which are predictable to a very high degree of accuracy like your genetic makeup and the biases that you accumulate throughout your life all determine your hormonal responses to a stimulus and like what decisions you're going to make and how your life is going to play out so i don't necessarily consider that i mean i could be missing something so it's obviously very complicated but i have a pretty big question for you guys then based on going back to the big bang was the creation of our universe predetermined? Like, was it inevitable? Or, like, could it have been, like, completely random and we're just lucky that this universe happened to be created? That one's hard. I think there's a something that... Uh, that kind of gets into, like, I think, was it Immanuel Kant's thing that was something like... He had, like, the thesis and the antithesis, or antithesis, I guess, whatever you want to say, which was basically, like, sort of the paradoxical nature of the universe. It was, like either time began with the beginning of the universe or time has existed forever. But then it obviously brings up this was from, I'm taking this from Neil deGrasse Tyson's book. Um, and it's basically like, if time has existed forever, why did the universe just decide to begin at a given point? And the vice versa, you could say, okay, time began with the universe, but then you also have to say, why did time begin at that individual point and like what existed before it? So I don't remember which one was which between the two concepts, but it's very complicated and it kind of hurts to think about a little bit for me. I feel like, first of all, I think we have far too little uh, like knowledge of the events that occurred before and during the Big Bang, or even whether that's the, the, the correct model, I guess, or you know anything like that. But I think that in general, I think we still have too much of a human-centric view of it. Like I think it's naive to even... Be sure, be certain that our universe is the only universe that was created during that time, and so I think that we're probably at far too little scale to really like decide anything valuable from that question. I guess there's nothing to the no slight to the question. I just think that no, it's <laughs> like far too unattainable because, like, I know there's a lot of theories about like you know there being like kind of like bubbles of universes, universi. I don't know plural of <laughs> universes. Um, kind of like floating next to each other in a in an infinite like space in it of itself so i don't know i think there's far too many unknowns at this point really with the whole universe concept fair enough one thing that i was going to bring up and is you're saying sort of how it was well i'll address that first i 
I think you sort of you were kind of talking about sort of like the cosmological constant is something I was going to bring up, which is basically like obviously that's something we use in like calculations a lot, but like there's sort of a theory that I don't remember like I'm going to mess this up probably, but that like other universes have different cosmological constants and like as our universe is constantly expanding because of like dark energy or basically like the energy of the vacuum of space is pushing the universe apart but there's also theories that other universes existed but they had a different cosmological constant so the universe either expanded at an uncontrollably fast rate and basically vanished or that it was collapsing on itself at an uncontrollably fast rate and it vanished in that way so I think that's sort of what you were getting at a little bit is like there's like a, tons of different universes that exist just in different contexts than ours. But one thing I wanted to say was you were saying how we kind of have like a human centric perspective. And I think that for a lot of things, like, for example, just the formation of the universe in general, I feel like it's kind of funny to me how we're always asking these questions of like who ma- who created the universe and why we're here. But I feel like causality is kind of a fundamentally like human notion that I think that might be something that we have to get rid of in order to understand the universe better. Like think if you think of like time and general relativity and things like that, we all thought time was a fixed constant that like pervaded like the entire background of the universe. And then obviously we found out that time is relative and it can be changed and like space time can be curved and all these different things. And that to me was really interesting because I mean, I wasn't alive for it. That made it sound like I was, but, but it's interesting to me that we, sort of like had this one notion that we thought certain things were absolutely true for all the universe. And then we found out that they aren't. And I think you can think about that for a lot of things, like say maybe the speed of light, like maybe someday we'll find out certain things can travel faster than the speed of light. And that'll completely break our conception of what the universe is basically and what it's built around. And I kind of think that's sort of like a final step for humanity is abandoning the notion of causality, because obviously like evolutionarily, we, assume everything has a cause and effect because in our daily lives, like everything does have a cause and effect, like things move because of another force or they don't move because there are no forces. And, but I do think that uh, that time obviously was like something that we found to be shifted. And I think also the fact that, or the notion, I guess that the universe had to be created by somebody is kind of a human way of looking at it. And I think it's possible that it's just sort of always existed in a way that we aren't really ready to understand kind of like like the fourth dimension or something if you will like we aren't capable of understanding it so we claim it doesn't exist but that's not necessarily true it's just might be that we aren't really smart enough to perceive it i know you you brought up about like how our universe was kind of a goldilocks universe yeah or, that's what like, i was yeah, kind of this kind of ties back to our alien episode i think it's kind of cool or maybe not cool but significant that we kind of we're in a Goldilocks universe within that we're in a Goldilocks solar system. And then our position in the solar system is a Goldilocks of sorts. I don't think that's as much a coincidence as it is kind of a factor. Like, I think it makes sense that this would be the only, only place we have life. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I know that you can take the perspective of like, wow, we're so lucky to be here. Like, because it was such a Goldilocks of Goldilocks Goldilocks squared. But I feel like, it's honestly more of an inevitable thing. The fact that life would have had to be in such a Goldilocks like situation. Yeah. Nick, I know you want to say something. I just want to say this super quick. You're kind of getting into like the anthropic principle then, which is basically like we, we think that like, Oh, the universe is like so perfectly created to support our life system. But that's really sort of, I, I, this always like messes with my head. So I'll probably articulate it poorly, but like 
it's basically the theory that the universe looks perfect to us because if it was any different, we wouldn't be here. Like you were saying, like we had to be in yeah, this like yeah. Goldilocks setting, but really that's sort of, you can look at it like, well, yeah, but if we weren't, we wouldn't be here to perceive it anyway. So it's not that the universe worked out perfectly just to create us. It just like happened to be this way. And these conditions aren't necessary to support life as we know it. And as such, we think it's perfect when in reality it's random and we got kind of lucky. And I think that sort of gets into like, like the creation question too, of like, maybe the universe isn't like perfect. We just see it as perfect because a lot of things had to go right in order for us to exist. And we can't perceive a universe that exists in a different way. So basically it was predetermined that life would have to exist in a Goldilocks planet in the Goldilocks zone in a Goldilocks solar system in a Goldilocks uh, galaxy in a Goldilocks universe. I'm not and sure I would argue. Oh, sorry. I'm, <laughs> no, just gonna say, I'm not sure I would argue that it would, it's like determined to have existed. I just think we played right. up to be more of a, like a lucky thing that it really was. Yeah. But, but the idea of life would have to be in. So like the idea of like, life is predetermined to be in a place that is suitable like earth in a goldilocks zone yeah. so the goldilocks thing is predetermined but life isn't necessarily yeah i just wanted to add something quick i'm reading the wikipedia page for the anthropic principle and what i was getting at i guess is called the weak anthropic principle which is defined as the universe is fine-tuning as a result of like a selection bias so only a universe capable of supporting life will there be living beings capable of observing and reflecting on it. So I think that's what I was saying is basically like, like, yeah, we're like, look how perfect the universe is. Like it's incredibly lucky that we're here. And, and it's like, well, I mean, if it was any different then it, we just wouldn't exist. So like, you can't really say like, Oh, we got lucky or like the universe exists perfectly for us. It's like, no, the universe just exists in a way that allowed us to perceive it. And then there's also, the strong anthropic principle, which says the universe is compelled to eventually have conscious and sapient life emerge within it. But that's more of like a religious thing to me personally. So I wouldn't get into that really, but you got what I'm saying, I think. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out an equally as big question is the big bang one. And it's, uh, Uh do animals face fate or free will? (laughs) Oh god. Um I don't know. Um I don't I think so you were saying before Nick like uh, how I was saying that human nature is sort of like chemically or like physically predictable based on a different number of events that have occurred to us and like the makeup of our genetics and whatnot. And I think free will like we've kind of said I don't really see that animals would have that because I think they're I mean obviously I I have no evidence to support this but to me, it would make more sense if animals were completely restricted to, like you were talking about before, like they they receive a stimulus and they respond to it in a chemically predetermined way because that's their, what their genetic makeup restricts them to. And I think that once humans have consciousness, um, then we would be able to develop some kind of free will. But that's not really fair for me to say either because animals could have consciousness too, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, and probably mm-hmm. do so i guess i am proving myself incorrect as we go on here yeah i guess if i were to put into like a more of like a mechanical analogy with like degrees of freedom i feel like you could argue that humans have slightly more degrees of freedom than 
like some, I guess, I don't know, less conscious animals that we know of now. Obviously, we know very little about consciousness, but I think I think it's safe to argue that like squirrels possess less consciousness than humans. So I feel like because we both both humans and like squirrels in this example, we both possess like I think Nolan, I think both of you were actually getting at this, like a lot of our chemical, you know, imbalance and chemical reactions and just any decisions, it's to a degree very predictable. I think it's even more predictable for that squirrel than it is for humans, because again, I think humans have to a slight degree more degrees of freedom. That's a lot of I'm saying degrees a lot, but um so so I think that I think I certainly don't think that other animals would have more free will than we would. I think it's I think it's also difficult to argue that humans themselves have a lot of free will. I think that we all are pretty predetermined or predestined. Um, but yeah, I think that to a degree, humans have more degrees of freedom just in the sense that we have the consciousness and we can, to some degree, go against our natural instincts, if that makes sense. Because we have slightly more like societal and less like i guess like less flight or fight tendencies as we've evolved yeah so we have more civilized instincts which gives us more degrees of freedom but if you like with like animals of course you have like the ideas of them most animals their purpose is to basically survive and create better generations following them like create better offspring with better genes and everything but so like that's not that could be said that that fate is predetermined for for like most animals that they are there to survive and create better offspring but all right there's like other yeah i guess you're right it's going back to the degrees of freedom every animal has different level of freedom in terms of like i don't know so you look at insects and insects like barely have any true consciousness at least from what i know of i don't really study insects too much because i really don't like them but uh they basically don't do anything consciously like they're just doing things that they're basically programmed to all our insect listeners are offended right now by the way i did kill an insect this morning so i will apologize (laughs) for that but then you look at monkey and monkey can do whatever he wants this is true so like yeah, I kind of, oh. I kind of was gonna say that too, Nick. Is like, you're basically, I, I think it would be on a spectrum of sorts. Is that like animals with like a higher degree of intelligence have more consciousness? And I think I've talked about this at some point before. I don't remember, but like, is there's sort of something about like um like moral vegetarianism and how basically there's the argument was that like killing an animal isn't immoral because they are conscious in respect to that individual moment, which is like they can feel like emotions and like enjoyment or like suffering, but they don't have like plans for the future or memories of the past, which is why it's immoral to kill a human is that you're depriving them of the opportunities to fulfill their plans for the future and you're erasing those memories from the past. So essentially it's that it's immoral to make animals suffer, but not necessarily to kill them. But the one thing I was going to say too is um, I think kind of the fundamental like issue with this is i think the difference between any other animals and humans is the ability to ask like why are we doing something like i think animals have like we said basically just a chemical response and that makes them very predictable um and not that humans don't have that too but i think to a certain extent humans 
think about decisions a little more. I know that's kind of like a cheap way of putting it, but like, like humans are smarter basically is what I'm saying. But like, I think we are able to, I guess the term would be like reflexive consciousness. Like we can reflect on ourselves and say like, okay, why did I do that? Or why should I make this decision? And like, not that animals can't do the same thing of like weighing pros and cons, but I don't think they can, they don't reflect on things like morals or like justification or how it's going to affect others. Like that's a big thing to me is like, they don't necessarily have the same capacity for like empathy or even like maybe a lack of empathy that we do sometimes. So I think it really is just sort of a question of complexity. Like, yes, every animal can respond to things in a certain manner, but that's more predictable because humans end up asking questions of like, why am I doing this? And like, what does it mean if I do do this? All right, hear me out, hear me out. Monkeys have more free will than humans. You guys know the video where it's like the monkey's longest sentence. The, the you give me orange, give me eat orange. You know that one? Um, I couldn't go up to someone and just do that. Like I would have, I would face consequences. And then monkeys, monkeys can do anything they want without having to face the most consequence. Like, well, it's just because you have social, you just have, because you're more social as a creature. Yeah, we're all bound to these ridiculous societal standards, like being normal. (laughs) Um, Right, right, right. Can I say something quick? Being, being weirders and not conforming to like the society's expectations is more free will can i say i'd argue that's more primitive though it's also free will (laughs) so i want to add something quick so if you're familiar with like panpsychism it's basically that it's it's a like theory i guess i don't want to call it a theory because obviously there's not like evidence for it but basically the like theory that everything in the universe has some kind of consciousness like everything down to like a rock has consciousness fundamentally and I was, I was kind of thinking one day i was like technically humans could be at the bottom of the scale of free will like i think it's fair to say we're either at the very top or the very bottom and we could be at the very bottom and we say like other animals are like unintelligent whatnot but maybe they're just doing things that are way more complex than we could understand so maybe if you want to like flip the scale we're like an amoeba on the scale of consciousness and everything else has like a way higher intelligence capacity than we do and we just aren't intelligent enough to perceive it obviously there is no evidence to support that whatsoever and it's probably not true but it is interesting to think about the fact that that could technically be possible and that would definitely knock us down a peg on our arrogance as a species all right that's like a perfect idea for like a evolution episode in later future time yeah i read a really upsetting um creationism article or no it's like not the right word. What do they call it? Um, I read an article claiming Darwinian evolution is a myth, and it made me very upset. So we'll have to do that episode next. Yes. <laughs> ben, were you going to say something? Or? Well, I was going to say something, but then I realized it's probably be better to just start that off in an evolution episode. Okay, fair. Wow. I can. Uh, you want me to like preface it now? Yeah, go ahead. The question he was talking about how like the only goal of a species is to you know like survive and then procreate mm-hmm. and make a better generation. I, and that sounds like a closed loop system. So I guess my question is going to be, what's the point of all this? If all our goal is to like, there's no, it seems like there's no end goal for any of this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I guess we'll have to cover that one in the evolution one. Yeah. It's, hold on. This is like, this might be like three minutes. It's really dramatic. No one's going to go on a beautiful tangent. Okay. So I do want to say something. So <laughs> I was kind of thinking about this and I think that one thing 
So I know I sort of started off the episode saying how we always think everything is predictable because on a macroscopic scale with like there's classical determinism and that like large enough objects, we can always predict their um, motion. But then, like I said, as you get smaller and you get more quantum, it seems to be that there's certain things you can't predict. Like we can't predict the spin of an electron and other things like that because there's like a 50-50 chance. So I was saying, and I also said with that, you could maybe like extrapolate that and say the universe is entirely random because those random fluctuations move like upward throughout like uh, into classical mechanics and basically everything is determined by this like very small sliver of randomness and i was going to say that you could essentially apply the same principle to consciousness or free will i guess it would be which is that for like the macroscopic decisions like you make if you will like the big decisions you make in your life are very predictable and we always say like okay this is like uh i guess that's all I'm trying to say really is that we're very predictable on big decisions. Like it seems like we know what we're doing, but then as you could argue that as you get smaller and you go on to smaller scale decisions and like smaller scales of like, like the pure chemical and physical nature of your thought processes, it could be more subject to quantum randomness. And you could argue that basically all the origins of your thoughts are based on this random, um, like the randomness of quantum mechanics. So I don't know if you guys kind of get what I'm saying, but like you could take the principle of classical mechanics being deterministic and then walking it down to quantum mechanics being random. And you could apply the same thing to consciousness and say that on a big scale, consciousness is predictable and we have free will and influence over it. But as you go down a smaller scale, the neurological processes are at heart random and we can't really predict what humans are ever going to do. I swear I said it at the beginning, listening to Nolan is like mesmerizing. This was, this was a good episode for me. That's fair. Okay, I had something I wanted to talk about, but it's definitely like not a good ending thought. Okay. I was just gonna say, I was gonna say like the whole like theory that we kind of like talked about with like how any event might have infinite possibilities, but is still predetermined in that sense. Mm-hmm. We're kind of quantifying infinity in that case. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Because we're saying that you can take a you can you can divide infinity into tangible events. That's true. That's I'm not good with infinity, so I don't really have a rebuttal for support for that. Fair. Um, but yeah, you guys get what I was saying, and I was also going to kind of add this is like a little bit more scientific, I guess. Like you could probably prove it or disprove it, but you could even say that like uh, this is hard for me to do because probability is like a whole thing, but. If you think about the fact that we perceive certain quantum events as random, like I don't really know how you would walk that up to saying that like classical mechanics are deterministic, but quantum things are random. Like I don't know how you would say the randomness determines the non-randomness, if that makes sense. Um, And I was going to say that there could be sort of like a probability element of that. Like the randomness occurs with a certain degree of probability. And as such, it makes as you go further up towards more macroscopic phenomena, it makes them even more predictable because when we look at it on a smaller scale, it appears very unpredictable, but there is in fact a probability distribution for that. And as you go to a higher level, it makes bigger events way more predictable. Hmm. I'll try to put it like this. If you think of like a planet, the motion of a planet is extremely predictable, but as we know it, certain like the individual like electrons and particles of it are unpredictable right Mm -hmm. but i think i was saying that 
they're those technically aren't predictable but as you add like millions and billions and trillions of them they like it's sort of emergence i guess like they emerge to form um a very predictable property if that makes sense like we can predict the motion of the earth around the sun because while there are random events on the quantum level those events round each other out through a probability distribution and make the large scale phenomenon predictable yeah okay i think i finally got it that was what i was trying to say with the probability distribution just like the fact that you know if if you take the example of like electron spins if it has a 50 50 chance as you increase the, the sample size, it's going to approach that predictable number. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it like, yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to say. And it's sort of like, you could even say not cancels out, but like it sort of rounds each it rounds itself out and forms a predictable phenomenon. Like when we look at an isolated, extremely small event, it's very unpredictable. But when you're looking at a massive event, like the whole universe, it's very predictable. And the motion of larger objects are predictable because the randomness has rounded itself out. So what do you determine as a larger event? Could you argue that a human life is predictable then, even though it's made up of smaller, unpredictable events? Um, well, I guess then I would have to invoke free will. But that is what I was trying to say originally, I guess, is that like you could say that free will um, doesn't necessarily exist, or that not, not that it doesn't exist, but it's an emergent property because there's randomness in your neurological processes, but that randomness rounds itself out through the probability distribution and allows you to have um, some predictability with your actions. So I guess now that I'm saying that, that would mean you don't have free will, but that a human life would be predictable. World is solved. Yes, we have solved the mysteries of the universe. This has actually been very fun. Okay, so that's going to wrap up our episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Transcendental Club podcast. We apologize for getting a little bit technical and picky with the philosophy today, but we hope you had fun with it and that you could follow some of our more rabbit hole-esque conversation. We hope you tune into the next episode.